<sighs> you guys ready? Yeah. You guys excited? Yes. Come on, we are in the best days of our lives. No, I'm not just quoting a soap opera. I'm quoting the truth. Come on, y'all. Can we just give some love to Rebecca, Simon, Kyle, and Steve? Come on. Thank you, guys. Man, I also want to give a special shout out to Kyle. He just got back from a month away studying and preparing himself as he serves in our nation's military. Come on, somebody. We love it. And we're grateful to every person here that has also served in our nation's military at one point. We are forever grateful for y'all. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that you've given and uh, so that we can have Sunday mornings like this. It's beautiful. All right. Well, you guys ready to get into the word? Who's got their Bibles? Let me see them. Hold them up. Hold them up. You got your Bible. Let's go. Come on, guys. Let's go. Love it. A lot of you guys got that special edition glowy Bible. It's the newest edition. It's super awesome. <laughs> it's all right. I've got one of those too. So I'm here to appeal to the paper crowd and the digital crowd. So we're good. Well, man, let's just pray and then we'll enter in. Uh, so let's just, let's just wait on the Lord for just one second. Jesus, we love you. You're beautiful. There's no one like you, no one besides you. We thank you that it's because of your sacrifice that you paid 2,000 years ago that gives us the ability to talk about what we're talking about today and learn about what we're learning about today. If it wasn't for you, Jesus, <laughs> we'd, we'd all be lost. And so I just thank you. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we may see, open our ears that we may hear everything that you have to say. Thank you, Father, for just bearing witness of these things with miracles, signs, and wonders following. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> well, I'm just excited to see what the Lord's going to speak as well as you, as much as you guys are. So this is going to be a fun time. So for those of you who haven't been here the last couple of weeks, the Lord has really put a heavy burden in our hearts on the topic of the Holy Spirit and the person of the Holy Spirit and relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, you think of some of the most divisive topics amongst the church and Holy Spirit is one of those topics. Like, do you guys agree with that? You guys see what I'm saying? Why is that? Well, as I've been thinking about it, it's that Holy Spirit seems to be taboo to certain, to, to believers because Satan knows that the only way we can understand the scriptures is through the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the author of the scriptures. Every person that wrote, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write. That's why you can have a book as complex as this one to where it's written over thousands of years with multiple different authors, and yet all of it makes sense. All of it comes together in a cohesive story because it's the word of God. It's his spirit speaking into every believer and writing down what he wants to say. There's a specific reason why there's certain things that aren't in the scriptures. Like even John wrote at the end of his gospel and he said, and Jesus did many, many, many more signs and wonders that aren't even documented because he said that there would not be enough books in all the world to contain the signs and wonders that Jesus accomplished. That's amazing. But... So Pastor Phil last week taught on Holy Spirit and fellowship with him. The fact that he is a person. You guys, you guys believe that? Yes. He is a person. Many times Jesus speaks and uses personal pronouns to describe the Holy Spirit. He says, I must go so that he can come. There's another part where he says, 
When he, the Holy Spirit, comes, you will be endued with power from on high. So Jesus is referring to him as not just this, this aura of fog that maybe some of us have thought him out to be. Because when we think of the Holy Spirit in our minds, we think spirit, and to think of spirit is something that is not relational. Especially in the world's eyes, spirits are typically not a good thing. <laughs> or they're made of liquid. So, um, But Holy Spirit is a person that desires a relationship with you and I because he knows that the only way that we can become like Jesus is through the revelation that Holy Spirit reveals to us. There were certain things that the disciples didn't see or understand until after Jesus breathed on them and said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then their eyes were open and they began to understand certain things. And so without Holy Spirit, you're just reading a book. Anyone can open the Bible. Anyone can open it and they can, you can read and that's totally fine. But without the Holy Spirit, you're just opening two leather flaps. When you read the Bible through the lens of the Holy Spirit, what happens now is John 3.16 takes on a totally different meaning than what you thought it did. Galatians takes on a totally different meaning. The fruits of the Spirit, you read it differently. You look at the armor of God and now it has a newfound weight to it. You guys ever noticed, we, were, we had Levite night last night with our worship team and it was amazing. We were just talking about, one of the questions that we, we discussed was, what are you seeing happen in the worship culture today? And I love, what, I love what was being said. One of the things that was being said was that it seems like a lot of old hymns are coming back into the church. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm sure there's a lot of y'all in here that are like, thank God, because I have no idea what a lot of these songs are. But these old songs that have new renditions. And the Lord, I was, I was just in my prayer time the other day, praying for a buddy of mine, and this came up in my spirit and I felt like it was for him specifically, but I also see it really translating into the church as well. And it was that the Lord is giving us old things, but they're feeling new again. And whenever it comes to those songs, I'm singing them from a place to where I've never sang them before because I don't know Holy Spirit any better like, I know Holy Spirit so much more today than I did back then. And so now, singing I exalt thee, oh my goodness, that's amazing. You sing it with the Spirit in you, singing with you. That's why we need to open our mouths and sing when we're worshiping, is because there is a Spirit in you that longs and desires to glorify God. And there are many believers that suppress him and I'm trying to figure out why would you want to suppress someone as beautiful and lovely as the Holy Spirit? So Jesus' life is the perfect example on what it looks like to walk with Holy Spirit. Dad pointed us last week to the fact that Holy Spirit in me is for me, but Holy Spirit on me is for you. And what we see when Jesus is baptized is the Holy Spirit comes and he rests on Jesus like a dove. He rests on Jesus. And from that moment, Jesus goes and performs the turning of the water into wine in Cana and Galilee, his first miracle. And so we see Jesus endued with power. Why did he limit himself in that way? He limited himself in that way by saying the same thing that he said to the woman caught in the act of adultery. Go and sin no more. Or in other words, go and live like me. Go and live like me. But we can't do that outside of the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to give a couple, I just want to give a story that the Lord reminded me of, of a time when I was, when the Holy Spirit had led me in a certain instance, and did I not have Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have known really how to like, I would have walked right past the situation. So a couple of months ago, my sister and my brother-in-law were doing a, my, my brother-in-law is Burmese, or he's half Burmese, half Thai, but his father was uh, an amazing voice to the Burmese community. And a large portion of them actually moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And so there is a vast, 
vast population of Burmese people. And God had put it on my brother-in-law's heart to do a special conference called Promise Conference as an activation for the Burmese community in Tulsa to go back and reach their nation. Because for those of you who aren't aware, Burma, current day Myanmar, if I'm not mistaken, has a reputation for genocide and just tyrannical government rule. And I think recently, the biggest thing that's happened too is the military has completely taken over the nation itself and it's just not a good situation. And so we're talking many, many people's lives being affected daily. And so God put it on Josh's heart and another person to start this conference. Well, so we went, to, we, we went down to support them for it and it was beautiful. I mean, it was just a night that was dedicated to commissioning and prayer and intercession over the nations, over the rulers of the nations. They had past Burmese pastors that had come up and were interceding over their nation and praying life over death. And one of the things that had happened was they did a call at the end of the night for those that wanted to be commissioned, but it started with getting right with God. If they, and they, they, gave, they did an altar call. If you're not right with the Lord, get up here now. And the altars were just packed full of, full of people. It was beautiful to see hungry, hungry hearts. And so they came up there and they were just like, people were crying, people were being touched by Holy Spirit. It was amazing. And then they also gave a healing call. If anyone has any, any ailment, anything that's going on in, like, in your body, any kind of physical ailment, God wants to heal you of that. And so we're sitting there and, and we're just watching what's happening and then uh, just really felt pressed to go and just start praying for people. And so our whole family, we had all, because I mean, we're, that's, that's, how, that's how we are. We get in a room and we see people go down to the altar and getting touched and we're like, man, we're gonna go stand with them and pray for them and just believe God with them. And so I just really felt a tug on my heart to just go and just lay hands on people and just start praying for people. And so it was amazing. We were going around, just laying hands and t- praying for people. I mean, these, these Burmese kids were just sobbing and just crying over, over what God was doing in their lives. And then God led me specifically to one boy in particular. I don't remember his name, but he was around 17, 18 years old. And I just went over to him and I just laid hands on him and I was just praying for him. And I don't even remember what I prayed, but I was just speaking life and just like, touch him, Lord. <laughs> Give him a double portion. Whatever you're doing in him, I just pray, Father, that it would come to completion in him. And then we had finished the altar call and people were starting to go back to their seats. And so he, he stands up and he's just crying and gives me a quick hug and is getting ready to go back to his seat. And before he goes back to his seat, I, was, I stopped him and I was like, hey, hold on a second. Like, what, what is God doing right now? Like, what are you seeing? What's happening? And so I asked him that and he looked at me and through his, through his, through his tear-soaked eyes, he said, he said, I haven't had a, a relationship with the Lord like I should and the Lord just healed my relationship with him right now. He's like, he feels so close. And I was like, that's amazing. That's amazing. And then he said, and then I also needed healing. And he's like, because I played soccer and I twisted my ankle, but my ankle, that was like a couple weeks ago, and my ankle just has not healed from it. And so he said that, and I was like, well, like, bro, try it out. Like, have you tried it? And everything. And so I was like, like, move your foot around, like, see how it feels. And so he literally threw his, through just sobbing and everything, he looks down and he starts moving it. And then he looks up at me and he's like, what? And just starts, and he lost it at that moment. Cause I was like, what are you feeling? He's like, I don't feel anything. And he just fell into my arms and is just crying so hard. And of course, in that moment, you're just kind of like, yeah, he's awesome. What do I do now? You know, like he's just crying and you're sitting there and you're like, all right, everybody else is sitting down. It's just me and him at the front and he's just crying. But it's like, no, the Lord has touched him and we're going to stand here and we're going to let the Lord do what he wants to do because he just restored his relationship with his son and followed it with healing his ankle. So now he's seeing not just that the father loves him through touching his heart, but also that the father has empowered him to go and do what the Lord has put on his heart to do through healing his ankle. And it's these things that Holy Spirit wants us to come to. Because when you don't have Holy Spirit, it's very easy to get into the mindset of, well, sometimes the Lord's going to and sometimes he's not. 
We don't understand. Scripture says, and let me just, let me just do this. If you got 1 Corinthians, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. When you're there, say, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Well, let's start in verse 10. It says, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit, the spirit of God. So what scripture points to us is that it is impossible to know the thoughts of God without the spirit of God. If we try to perceive what God does outside of his spirit, we will think it is wacky, we will think it is weird, and we won't take him seriously. But when we pursue what he's saying and doing by the spirit, we value that, we value the, we value the response. Because I don't know about you guys, but I've heard many stories, and I've even been in those, oper- in, in those services sometimes where somebody just starts manifesting something. Something happens, whether, whether someone starts shaking or they're screaming or whatever. And of course, like from the physical perspective, you're looking at that and you're like, are we okay? Like, should we call an ambulance? Why are they shaking? Why are they screaming? What's going on? But from the spiritual perspective, there's something different that's going on. What we found out later was this person was actually being touched by the Lord and their body was just responding in that way. And we also can get caught up in this sometimes to where when it comes to the things of the spirit, dad and I have talked about this too, that the enemy loves to get us focused on the stuff that looks weird. He wants to pollute the spirit by thinking that the spirit has lost his sanity. By making it look like you're just, you're weird. You know? But when it comes to the spirit, when the things of the spirit in Romans, Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, it talks about for the things of the flesh is death, but the things of the spirit are life and peace. So the very things that we're seeing happen in the spirit should be normal to us. Because there's this dying of the flesh and this yielding to the spirit to where now spiritual realities become normal to us because we're no longer living in the flesh. The flesh, Paul talks about, my spirit wants to do the desires of the spirit, but my flesh wants to do the things that are contrary to the spirit. Therefore, I'm caught in this tension in the middle. How can I truly be satisfied? So that's telling me right now that the flesh will always wanna do something opposite the spirit. Neither can the flesh interpret something in the spirit. It's trying to, it's trying to, it's like me trying to interpret a big company's inner workings from an outside perspective. I can't tell you what's happening behind the doors at Apple. I'm not in there. But when you have Holy Spirit, he brings you in to the inner chambers of God's heart and reveals to you the deep things of God. Is this making sense? Okay, all right, you can talk to me, it's okay. Because sometimes I'm like, ah, like, are you getting this? Because if not, then like, I wanna take a step back and kind of reevaluate this. But, so that's the thing, is spiritual realities require us to live in the spirit. We, under things, we, we, we understand things in the flesh when we approach it from a fleshly perspective. But the thing about the spirit is the spirit is twofold. You operate in the spirit and you recognize the things of the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit, you recognize what is flesh and you're able to call those things out. It's a very clear line. The world will try to make you think that no, it's not about, it's not black and white, it's gray. It's not gray, it's black or it's white. There is color 
in the heavenlies. Either it's right or it's wrong. Like, I miss the simplicity because the church kind of gets wrapped up into like, because I'm a Marvel guy. I love like Marvel movies and that kind of stuff. Any Marvel fans in here? Yes. At least there's somebody. I'll talk to you three. That's cool. So like, anyways, superheroes, all right? So we've got Superman, Spider-Man. I know Superman's DC, but I'm just using them for everybody else. You got Iron Man, all these stories, right? So a couple years ago, when, well, the first Iron Man movie came out in 2008, all right? And so that was like a big deal because superheroes were so cool. And it was solely about this, let me geek out for a second. It was about this billionaire who was a playboy, kind of like Batman, but he was cooler to me because he had an iron suit and didn't run around as a bat. That looked kind of dumb. But anyways, so he's this billionaire playboy who basically gets his ego completely ripped apart when he's in Afghanistan and he is taken hostage by terrorists and has this humbling encounter and he builds this suit because he recognizes that he made all his money off of building weapons and missiles and guns. And the very guns that he built were used against him and that's how he got taken away by by the terrorists. And so anyways, he's like trapped in a cave. He builds an Iron Man suit and he wants to go out. Now he wants to actually make things right and all that kind of stuff, right? It's very black and white. This is a man that realizes what I was doing here was actually empowering the wrong people to do the wrong things. So I'm gonna stop that. I'm no longer going to be this egotistical maniac over here. And instead, I'm gonna be a man that fights for the right thing which is to own up to my decisions. Anyways, it's a great movie, all right? There's like one or two scenes, but besides that, it's a great movie. So, but now I look at where we've come to. That was in 2008. Now, all the way here in 2022, I'm seeing superhero movies that I'm walking out of now. I'm not even staying the whole way through the movie because they're saying that it's gray, that you gotta have a dark side to you that you have to have this good, or in some cases, you have to use the very thing that you're fighting to defeat the thing that you're fighting. When did Jesus ever do that? Jesus never, he was, Jesus was accused of doing that. The Pharisees said that he cast out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus is saying, hold on a second, hold on a second. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln wasn't the first one to quote that. He was quoting Jesus. Come on, somebody. So Jesus said it. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Same as it is with the kingdom of God. You cannot have gray area in the spirit. When you're in the spirit, he will clearly reveal to you what is good, what pleases him, and what does not please him. And it's his heart for us that we would take the things that he says, this pleases me, and that we would run after those things. Because when you're in the spirit, your desire is for what he desires. Now it's no longer, Father, these are my prayers. Now instead you come before him and you say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to ask you for? Because you're so in love with him and you're so desperate for what he, who he is, not what he has, you're desperate for who he is, that you're desperately desiring, Lord, what do I need to do to get more of you? How can I yield myself to receive more of you? And a revelation that the Lord dropped in my heart the other day, I shared this with the team last night, was when you're pursuing fellowship with the Holy Spirit, it's a relationship. So there will be things you will cut off to pursue a relationship and have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It will take time. It will take your attention. It will take your affection. He's a person. He wants to know us and he wants us to know him. And so when we realize that this is going to require me to leave, to lay things aside, do not ever lay something aside without putting more of Jesus in the place of the thing that you've laid down. And I'll just give this example. The Lord did this to me 
just three, four days ago. I was spending time with him. And you ever notice those times when you're spending time with the Lord and you're just like crying out for more of his presence and then you find yourself thinking back to all the things that you've let go of to get you to this point? Let me, let me explain. So I've had, let's just use the example of like in today's world, so you have like streaming services, right? You have like Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. And you're saying to yourself, okay, for the sake of knowing you more, I'm gonna cut this off. And so all that time you were spending watching Disney Plus or streaming your favorite shows, you've cut it off for the sake of knowing him more. But I found myself in this place to where I had cut things off and I was like, Lord, I've given up this, I've given up this, I've given up this. How come, how come I feel like I don't know you more now than back when I still had those things. And the Lord said to my heart, just very simply, he said, buy the field. He said, buy the field and buy the pearl. So I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus, he's explaining what the kingdom of heaven is like. He's giving us multiple different parables. I'm just going to give us this, Matthew 13, verse 44, and we're going to read through 46. And Jesus is reading here, and he says, heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again because of uncovering such treasure. He was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. Heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all that he had in exchange for it. Buy the field, buy the pearl. Another way that the Lord was describing this to me was reminding me of what Jesus said about a person that is set free from a demon, right? The demon leaves and looks for a place to stay can't find any place, so he comes back to the person that he was rebuked out of to find the place swept clean. So then he goes and he finds seven demons worse than him, and they come back to that same person, and they take up residence again, and that person is now worse off than they were before. You guys remember that? Okay. So with that illustration, the demon was removed, and the woman was set free, but Jesus wasn't put in its place. The place was swept clean, but you're still empty. What's the good of letting something go or removing something from our lives if not to get more Jesus? Because I found myself removing these distractions from my life saying, Jesus, I wanna know you more. So in the radical moment that I was in, gave everything away, but I didn't fill it with more of him. My life didn't really change after that. I found something else that was similar to those things I was doing before slid into that slot now. And now I'm finding myself being like, well, Lord, I don't know you any better than I should because if anything, my time with you should be doubled. But why haven't I doubled my time with you? I have the time to spend with you. And that's why the Lord said, buy the field because you have sold all that you have and you're looking at the field, but you haven't bought it yet. When you buy the field, you are in possession of what I've given. You are in possession of what I have for you. And so the Spirit reveals those things to us. Holy Spirit is known as our teacher. He is here to reveal to us how to know Jesus more because the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us. Holy Spirit is in love with Jesus. That's his goal in our lives is to, reveal the, is to reveal Jesus to us. Because it talks about that, and I'm just gonna turn real quick in John 14, 26. 14, 26, Jesus said, but when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word that I have told you. You know you have Holy Spirit when your love for Jesus increases. 
And you also will know that you have Holy Spirit when he reveals to you that your love for Jesus is decreasing. Because you have someone on the inside of you that yearns for Jesus, that loves Jesus, and wants you to become like Jesus. Put yourself in his shoes. If you were in his position and you saw the person that, I know it's a weird picture to try and imagine. Imagine you were living in Holy Spirit spot <laughs> and you're trying to talk to yourself and say, hey, I know the answer. I know how this ends. I know the desires and the thoughts that the Father thinks towards you. Wouldn't you be a little desperate for us to actually yield ourselves to that reality? Yes. He wants us to become like Jesus because Jesus paid a price. He spilled his blood for us to look like him. Jesus wouldn't have spilled his blood if just for us to live less than. There was no reason for him to come and die if it was in vain. And so Holy Spirit is heaven equipping us. First of all, the beautiful thing is Holy Spirit came and fell on the disciples. A beautiful thing that I think is, is that Holy Spirit came after Jesus had ascended. Holy Spirit coming was proof to the disciples of Jesus saying, I made it. Jesus made it to the throne and Holy Spirit now is released to us. This is the Holy Spirit that we walk with. A Holy Spirit that is in love with Jesus and wants us to walk as he walked and he is the empowerment of that. Jesus is the picture. Jesus gives us the visual. Now, Holy Spirit gives us the practical to walk it out. Because when you see Jesus, you're seeing a man walking by the Spirit. And Jesus was a man that bought the field. He was a man that forsook everything to get us back. He was the one that he gave up heaven to come into fellowship and communion with you and with me. Jesus bought the field and we need to buy the field. If you haven't, look at what you need to lay aside and lay it aside and buy the field. So Holy Spirit is this friend that we do life with. Everywhere we go, we're to live in constant fellowship with him to live in constant fellowship with him. It's a privilege that we get to walk with Holy Spirit. Why is it a privilege? Because he means more to the Father than I think we realize. I want us to run back to this real quick. And it's the fact that he means so much to the Father and to the Son that he is the only one that if you hurt him through blaspheming him, you will not be forgiven. That's astounding. Jesus says, you can curse my father, you'll be forgiven. You can curse me. People are doing it all the time. And you'll be forgiven. But he said, if you curse, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that is unforgivable. That's amazing. This is the power we have inside of us. And I just want to give the scripture for that, which is that in Matthew 12, verse 31 and 32, he says, this is why I warn you, God will forgive people for every sin and blasphemy except one. There is no forgiveness for the sin of blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. If anyone speaks evil of me, the son of man, he can be forgiven. But if anyone speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will never be forgiven now or ever. Whoa. That's heavy stuff. And yet, we have the audacity sometimes in our lives to pay him no mind. And yet, this is the one. We cry out for Jesus. We want to know Jesus. But what good is it to know Jesus without Holy Spirit? Think of him as a cheat sheet, a cheat code. I don't know what else you want to call him. Like, he's the one that makes you so much better than you ever thought you could be. Because it's not by power or by might, but what? By my spirit. It's by the spirit that we walk. It's by the spirit that we do things, by we, how, why we live and move and have our being. It's because of him. 
And I think Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8 paints the most beautiful picture on how to walk in fellowship with Holy Spirit. Because he literally teaches us how to live in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Once again, it goes back to what we were talking about, but there's no gray area with him. He is perfectly, well, he is God. He is. It's the beautiful work of the Trinity. When you see the Trinity, you see this, all right? You see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Son came to bear witness to the Father, to give glory to the Father, And the Father speaks to give glory to the Son. The Son tells us of the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes, and the Holy Spirit bears witness to the Son and points us to Jesus. Jesus points us to the Father. The Father points us back to Jesus. But we wouldn't know Jesus if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, so the Holy Spirit reveals us to Jesus. Jesus is like, look to my Father. Now I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Here's the Father. Father says, I love that you're here. Look to the Son, because he's the way that you can come to me. He's life, eternal life. (laughs) Like, you could just go back and forth, and every single one of them, you go to the Father, he'll point you to Jesus. You go to Jesus, he points you to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit points you right back to Jesus, because it's the Father working in tandem for us. He is in all, above all, everything, nothing has existence apart from him. You can't value Jesus if you don't know the Holy Spirit. You can say you can, but Holy Spirit truly reveals to you. It wasn't until I yielded myself to the Holy Spirit that I realized that the cross was not just a Christian emblem. It was through the Holy Spirit of me realizing that that is the beautiful picture of what it cost heaven for me. It reveals to me my value. It reveals to me my worth. It reveals to me how much it cost God to get me back. And when you read the Bible with Holy Spirit, you look for Jesus in everything because the Holy Spirit will not contradict something that Jesus has said. Neither will he contradict something the Father has said. So that's how you know you can trust him. Because Holy Spirit, when you read the scriptures, he will reveal to you Jesus in everything that you read. You'll read the Psalms, and guess what? You'll find yourself looking for Jesus. You'll read Song of Solomon, and you'll realize, ha, I'm the Shulamite, and he's the bridegroom king. You'll find yourself reading the story of David, and you'll see parallels of Jesus. You'll read the story of Noah and see Jesus. You'll read the story of Ruth and Boaz and see Jesus. Because Jesus told the Pharisees, you are pouring over the scriptures looking for eternal life. Who is eternal life? Jesus. He said, you're pouring over the scriptures looking for eternal life. Behold, I tell you, everything you read points to me. Everything you read points to Jesus. So wouldn't it make sense that reading the scripture through the lens that Holy Spirit gives you, everything you would read would point to Jesus? So now the the ability for me to translate the scripture however I want is off the table. I can't take a scripture and twist it to mean what I think it should mean. That's why us in here, you can thank the Lord that you don't have to debate on the scripture one day of your life. You don't have to debate nobody because Holy Spirit reveals it to you. He reveals to you Jesus through the scriptures and Jesus is the final word. People will try to argue based on doctrine. Well, what do you believe? What do you believe this? Do you believe, you know, or you're these guys, like all this kind of stuff. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. When you read this, it's Jesus. What's the point for this? Jesus. What's the point of this? To know him more. You want to know what the point is for this? Paul said, oh, that I should know him more. That's the goal of every believer that walks in the spirit is, oh, that I should know you more. That should be the cry of our hearts. And that's what living with Holy Spirit will bring us to is recognizing, I need you, I want you, I wanna become like you. You empowered me through your spirit to seek your face. 
Because Holy Spirit is also, he's been revealing to me recently that us even coming before the Father, we didn't do that on our own. He sought us. When people say, I finally found God. No, you didn't. He found you. He is seeking you out. If the Father didn't seek you out, what was Jesus coming to the earth to do? What's that scripture? He came to seek and save the lost. Jesus sought you first, and we in turn seek him. He has invited us to seek his face. And I'm going to end on this. I'm going to give you this scripture. It's so beautiful. I shared it last night as well. Psalms 27. Psalms 27, verse 8. Oh, it's so good. Psalms 27, verse 8. It says, I heard your voice, the voice of the Father, say in my, say in my heart, come seek my face. That sounds like an invitation. The Father is saying, seek my face. And my inner being responded, I am seeking your face with all my heart. This is the Jesus we serve. We seek him because he sought after us first. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That's an invitation. The Lord's already made the first move. So many times we think, man, like, I got to make the first step. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. The Lord already took the first step. He wrote the scripture. He said, draw near to me. The invitation is open. And now I will draw near to you. So Rebecca, you can come. Ben, you can come help me out. Um, This is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to reveal to us Jesus. But once you get there, he will help you steward the presence of God when he shows up. Because Holy Spirit, once again, he's God, so he knows how to value the things of God. When the glory's in the room and you're in those moments to where you're like, I don't know what to do because I, I don't want to hurt him or I don't want to mess up the moment, Holy Spirit will teach you how to steward those moments. I had another testimony happen with a guy at work. He's one of our truck drivers. And um, so I worked part-time at Sam's Furniture back in the warehouse. And uh, we have trucks that come in and we receive furniture. Um, And so we, we deal with Ashley Furniture. And one of the truck drivers, his name is Pete. I love Pete. He's amazing. And truck drivers are amazing. Like... I think they catch a little bit of flack sometimes because it's like, man, that guy talks a lot. Then you also think to yourself, yeah, if you drove 11,000 miles, you probably wouldn't get to talk to very many people, you know, because you're just driving the whole time. And so Pete comes back and, and over the years I've been there, we've built a relationship together and he comes sometimes once a week, sometimes once every other week and, uh, and he loves Jesus. And he came... Two weeks ago, or no, I'm sorry, it was this last Monday he came. He came to the store, just typical, uh, typical Monday, just getting another load. So we're starting to unload it. And when he backs up the trailer, he typically will get out and he'll come and help us unload it. And they tell us when they come to Sam's, they're like, man, you guys are like our favorite drop-off spot. And we're like, why? And they're like, because you guys actually are excited when we show up. It's amazing how much a little bit goes a long way. And so we're unloading the truck, and I noticed Pete's not there this time. He backed up, and people were like, yeah, it's Pete. But now all of us in the back, we're like, where's Pete? I don't know. And found out that he was not feeling good at all, that he could barely get out of bed that morning. But he was so committed that he's like, I got to get my route today. So he was driving, but he wasn't doing anything else. He had just the energy to be able to drive, but no other energy. And so we finish getting the load off. I check everything off and I'm taking the paperwork and I walk out to the truck and I hand him the paperwork and I just see him and he just looks just so drained. And it's not even like 11 in the morning yet. And he's already just, ugh. I'm like, Pete, what's going on? And he's like, just woke up this morning, just aching from top to bottom. I don't even know what's going on. And I was in Holy Spirit immediately pressed on my heart 
and said, pray for him right now. And so I said, well, Pete, let me pray for you. And he was like, please. So I just laid hands on him and just right there was just like, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have touched his body. I thank you, Jesus, that the blood that you spilt was sufficient for every sickness and disease. It covered everything. It didn't leave anything out. So I thank you that Pete will feel better now than he's ever felt. And I thank you that he'll be equipped to do the job the way that you have designed him to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Pete looked back at me and he was like, thank you so much. And I was like, all right, well, I'll catch you next time. You know, so left. So that was Monday. Thursday, he backs up and he comes walking in with a big smile on his face. And I'm like, Pete, what's up, man? And he's like, what's going on? I'm like, man, what's, what's happening? And he said, let me tell you, after you prayed for me, he's like, once I pulled out, I immediately started feeling better. And not only that, but that night, I slept better than I've slept in like the last 15 years. Come on. And he said, when I woke up the next morning, I felt better then than I've ever felt. And so I was like, that's Jesus. And he was like, let me tell you, man, this is life in the spirit. You yearn for what he yearns for. You want what he wants. It's no longer what I desire. It's not walking in the fear of man. It's not, well, yeah, it's at work and Pete's sitting in a semi and he's got four more loads he's got to drop off. No, it's this is a man in front of me that is struggling in his body with something that should not be there. So because of the spirit of God in me, I thank you that you touch Pete. Why do you carry him if not to deposit him everywhere you go? Why do you carry him if not to literally affect the people around you? And my other coworker and I, we've been getting so lit on fire for this thing that we're like, oh, at work, anytime somebody's got something going on, we're praying for him right then. And one of my buddies, he literally heard, he was walking next to another one of our coworkers that doesn't believe in Jesus. And he has something going on with his toe. And my buddy asked him, and he was like, oh, can I pray for you? And he was like, no, no, that's okay. He's like, no, 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 like, can I pray for you? And he was like, no, it's all right. He's like, no, like, I, I need to pray for you. <laughs> and so he was like, okay. And so he like, he prayed for him real quick and kept going on with the job and everything. And I looked at him, I was like, bro, did you pray? For, like, did he let him? Because I was kind of nervous a little bit. I was like, oh, like, I don't know if he's going to let him pray for him. But then he came over, I was like, bro, did, did he let you pray for him? He's like, yeah, he let me pray for him. I don't know if he got healed, but I prayed for him. And it's just when God knows that you are yielded to him and you want what he wants because of his spirit in you, you touch people and you want to touch people. Now you wake up in the morning excited to go to your mundane job because it's no longer you working at the cash register. Now it's you talking to people through the line and just loving on them. I worked at Target once for a seasonal job and I had a lady come through and she was coming through my line and I'm sitting here at Target, but you know what? I'm not thinking about it as, oh, I'm just a lowly cash register at Target. I'm like, no, this is my ministry. This is where I'm at. So I'm gonna give it the best that I got. And this lady came walking through and when she finished, I was like, well, ma'am, God bless you. Have an amazing day. And she looked back at me and she was like, you love Jesus, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. I love him so much. And she found out that I was saving up funds to go on a missions trip a month and a half later. And she comes back to my line two days later and hands me an envelope with $200 in it. And she was like, go touch the nations. Like, and this isn't about, I'm just, I'm telling you these testimonies so that it'll get on you guys. And I know that there are many testimonies already in this room of you all that have yielded yourselves to Holy Spirit. And he has led you to pray for so-and-so and they get healed, to go and stand alongside so-and-so and they they literally just explode with confidence just because you're in the room or other people that you were, God told you, I want you to sow into them. And it was exactly what they needed at that day and time. This is living in the spirit with fellowship with God. But when we see the miracle happen, the first thing that we should do following that is run back to the secret place, get on your knees and say, Father, I thank you that you would love me enough to trust me with your spirit. The first thing that happened in John 6, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Every single one of them eats more than enough. 
And after that miracle happens, they come back to Jesus wanting to make him king. It says that Jesus, seeing that they were about to take him and make him king, withdrew from the people and went up on the mountaintop to be with his father right after he fed the 5,000. I don't know about you guys, but in today's day and age, we'd look at feeding of the 5,000 and we'd probably have a mosh pit going on down there like, oh, look at what the Lord has done. Like he multiplied fish and chips. That's awesome. But Jesus, knowing the heart of man was like, I'm not going to give them an opportunity to think for a moment that this miracle is their salvation. I am their salvation. And if they're gonna try and make me king, it's because they think that if I become king, they're never gonna have to work for food again. And so Jesus separated himself to be with his father, but he's also showing us where his source is. What good is it if we're pouring ourselves out and pouring ourselves out and pouring ourselves out by the Spirit and we're not spending time with Him? That's not good either. It's not good to withhold yourself from the Spirit using you, but it's also not good to be so caught up in, I want to be used by the Spirit. I want to be used by the Spirit. But now you've, you haven't gone back to the place of encounter. You go back to the place of encounter to retain His heart and to grow deeper in fellowship with Him. Jesus said, go, go in a secret place where you're not tempted to role play before the Lord. Get in secret and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. What is the reward in the open? He is the reward. Jesus is the reward. But He has to see how we steward Him in private to, for him to know that he can trust us with him in public. Because if he doesn't see that, we'll begin to need to see another miracle to know that God is with us. We'll need to see another miracle to know that God is pleased with us. And the miracles that he does through you is not a reflection of how pleased he is with you. Because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Why do you think we have pastors that fall away? Because my goodness, if it was just based on their position or their ministries, that should be impossible. They're doing so much for the Lord. It doesn't matter about how much they're doing for the Lord. It matters, are you gonna let yourself get so caught up with what you're seeing the Lord doing that you're forgetting about who He is? And Holy Spirit reminds you who He is. Can we stand up this morning?